Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman Physicians Lead Podcast. So I am excited today to bring you another uh, board member from the National Medical Fellowships. Um, as you know, we are here this weekend celebrating NMF's 75th anniversary, and I am just honored to be here to talk to some of the people who are working really hard to serve the community and to also um, help to increase the number of BIPOC physicians and expand diversity in the healthcare workforce. So I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Efren Talamantes. Dr. Talamantes is an internal medicine physician, and he is dedicated to serving historically underinvested communities and advancing health equity. He leads initiatives throughout the country to enhance leadership and diversity in the healthcare workforce. As the Chief Operating Officer of Health Services at Altamed Health Services, Dr. Talamantes shapes the Altamed experience across the entire healthcare delivery system, spanning over 40 clinics throughout Southern California. He oversees every aspect of day-to-day -day care and incorporates patient-centered solutions to address social determinants of health. Prior to becoming the Chief Operating Officer, he served as medical director for the Altamed Institute for Health Equity and Medical Education, leading health services and community partner research and training to advance health equity and medical education at Altamed. Dr. Talamantes is a primary care internal medicine physician and previously served as associate director for the University of California Davis Center for Reducing Health Disparities Associate Program Director for the Internal Medicine Residency Program and co-directed the Center for a Diverse Healthcare Workforce. He co-founded MeMentor.org and serves as the chair of the Latino Coalition for a Healthy California. He is also a board member of the National Medical Fellowships, University of California Riverside School of Medicine and the Chicago School of Psychology. So welcome Dr. Talamantes to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm really excited that you're here with us today. Well, Dr. Herbert, it's a, a real honor. Uh, I, in preparation for this podcast, I had a chance to listen uh, and just really uh, applaud you in your uh, work. And, and more importantly, that I, I could be here of service and really augmenting uh, some of the need to continue uh, ensuring that our women physicians are successful, more importantly in leadership. And, and I really commend you on that. That's a topic of, uh, for me that I continue to study and I, I, every day I learn more. So I'm also looking forward to learning a little bit more about how I can help uh, in the work that you lead. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And your support is greatly appreciated. So I want to get into a little bit about 
your career and your leadership journey. So thinking about your career and your leadership journey, who or what may have been instrumental in that decision? First and foremost, uh, as you uh, introduced me, thank you for that introduction, is uh, it really takes me back. Um, you know, one of the first uh, experiences that has been imprinted and plays back in my mind constantly is when my parents uh, uh, were coming back to California. They were both undocumented at the time I, I had been, uh, I was born in, in Los Angeles. Um, and often we would go back to visit a family in, in Jalisco, in, uh, in, in Mexico. Often we would go back and, and visit family in Mexico. And when we would come back, uh, it was clear to me that there was a, a real difference in the journeys that I had the privilege of, of taking versus my parents. And that was uh, while they uh, would go away and I'm not sure exactly how they would cross the border, uh, my, my brother and I uh, would be put in a car with uh, family or friends uh, and, and travel to California across uh, the Tijuana border. And that was for me the first experience where uh, it didn't feel right, that there was different paths for different individuals based on uh, documentation status. And, and that was the, the first uh, example for me of inequities of many, not just in that experience, uh, but I saw how my parents were discriminated because they didn't speak English. Uh, I also saw the uh, challenges that they had to overcome to get jobs, uh, to get us into school, uh, and more importantly, in health and in, in healthcare. Um, I saw the uh, repeated uh, waiting uh, because they didn't have access or feared um, applying for services because of their documentation status and uh, waiting too long and, and us ending up in the emergency department. Just, you know, as, as an internal medicine physician today, as a leader of a, a large healthcare delivery system that cares for this population, very similar, uh, we know that's not the kind of care that we want to provide. Uh, in the United States. Uh, we, not just in California, but throughout the country, understand that uh, it is prevention, uh, early intervention, that is really going to help us not only care for our people, but make sure that they are included in society, that they're successful. And more importantly, that we're not spending money at the end when things are already out of control. And so as an undergrad at the University of California, Los Angeles, was part of various programs uh, focused on individuals that were first generation, individuals that um, had immigrant uh, backgrounds um, or had overcome significant adversities. And they were instrumental not only in helping me better understand how I could contribute, but really propelling me to consider uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a son of Im immigrants, I, I, I don't think I, I had that as a path. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I saw it as unachievable, uh, but it was really through mentors uh, who really helped me overcome my own perception of myself, overcome the perception that many people had of me because of my skin color, uh, what I looked like, the way I talked. Um, and so that, that, that's what really set me on the path, not only to medicine, but really thinking about how I could become a leader and, and where I am today. Thank you for sharing that personal story with us. I think as I talked to 
so many physicians and leaders on my podcast, one common thread, again, you know, that seems to come up time and time again, are these personal stories or these personal experiences that we've had head on, right, with healthcare inequities, whether that was, again, something that happened to us personally, something that happened to a family member, or something that we witnessed or saw in our communities that really was instrumental in um, a lot of times our decision-making, you know, to go into uh, medicine. And then having those mentors, so, so important. So again, thank you for sharing that story and for just, you know, embracing all of the challenges, obviously, that you've had to face, but still wanting to give back in the end. So when you look at your role now as a chief operating officer for a large healthcare organization, what does your day look like in that role? Who do you serve and what challenges do you face? Yeah, you know, I I would say that uh, one of my passions has really become to uh, diagnose organizational problems, issues. You know, as an internal medicine physician, I was trained and learned uh, the the discipline of diagnosing patient uh, complaints when they come in. Uh, what what is the pathway to figure out what's going on, the diagnosis? And uh, today, I spend a lot of time working with. Uh, countless uh, leaders um, at various levels and tackling some of the, the, the challenges that our frontline faces, thinking about not only the, the patient experience, uh, but really challenging myself to empathize, put myself in the shoes of our front office teams, our nurses, and the countless individuals behind the scenes that are really ensuring that as uh, physicians, we're able to spend that quality time in that exam room. Uh, to do our best work. And, you know, this uh, COVID pandemic, if anything, has really shown us the importance of tapping into that empathy. Um, And, you know, one of the key things for me has always been to work for an organization that has a vision uh, to not only be the leading community health-based provider of health and human services, but also the mission to eliminate health disparities And being able to reconnect um, those uh, challenges in the context of what does it mean for us as an organization as we take on this challenge to achieve our vision, to strive to uh, ensure that every day we're living our mission, and being able to have those conversations uh, with our front line, with our leaders, has really ensured that we don't lose sight of how important the work we do is for our patients. Often our patients are, uh, you know, traveling, uh, whether through a multitude of uh, public transportation, uh, they have multiple jobs, uh, they're making an effort to see us. And we want to make sure that we're not just addressing their health issues, but really what else can we do? And as a community health center, we're very fortunate in that we're always thinking about not just what's happening within the clinical wall of uh, how we can improve chronic conditions, diabetes, hypertension, so on and so forth. But more importantly, uh, what can we do outside? Um, Are there traumas that individuals are facing that we should be aware of that we can uh, connect them to other services? Um, Are they facing food insecurity, housing insecurity, homelessness? Uh, And that's where our team really comes to life uh, because Um, You know, we have our mission moments. Um, We talk about uh, how 
that one receptionist in the front office uh, smile makes a huge difference when someone's coming in tired. Um, they're afraid of getting a vaccine, for example, mm-hmm. and that we can put patients at ease and, and walk them through that whole experience. And more importantly, ensuring that they know they can come back and feel supported, safe, that we don't just care about them coming in and ensuring they have the clinical care, but that we want them and their families to be healthy, that we we really approach it from a community health perspective uh, to make sure that uh, they know, yes, this is a preventative screening, but if we don't do it, if it doesn't get done, uh, it can lead to a lot of uh, really catastrophic illness and that we want to prevent. And we have the tools to do so today in healthcare. And it's really uh, a privilege to be able to provide that to almost half a million patients in Southern California uh, through this work. That's wonderful. And I applaud the work that you're doing. You know, there are not many physicians uh, in leadership roles, which, which we have to also change that dynamic as well, seeing how important it is for physicians who have that frontline experience, like you mentioned, to be able to empathize with those frontline workers in terms of what it means to be on the front lines and to help them really deal with those challenges that they face every day. So again, thank you for your leadership that um, that you're doing to help those in need. Yeah, often my uh, team will tell me, uh, you know, there's so many leadership needs and meetings and work that we have to get done. Uh, and it's always easy to think about, well, maybe I can miss my clinic, you know, miss my uh, one day now that I, I get to practice in clinic. Um, but I'm always very adamant that I cannot compromise it. Uh, and that's because I get to go in there and get into the electronic health record. I get to see the process of patients getting checked in, checked out. I get to see the new orders that we've put in place. And uh, oftentimes my team will say, you know, I get to experience what I, what we dish out, right. That, that right. we put it out there. Right. Uh, we make a change and it's, it's very humbling uh, because it puts into perspective the magnitude of responsibility we have. Uh, but that's one thing as you're sharing that uh, is very important to me. And, and oftentimes I've been given choices, right. Of mm-hmm. uh, Maybe you could do less clinical work, but it's been uh, really uh, a way for me to to continue to lead and lead in a relevant way. Yeah, absolutely. And just to stay connected and, and tapped in. Hey, leading ladies, stay right there and we will be back with my amazing guests. This conversation is so good that you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. I am ecstatic to have been involved with an organization that stands behind their vision of reimagining healthcare. NMF's constant effort in raising awareness for this community is so notable. I joined them at the Gratitude Gala this past November 5th, 2022, where there were key stakeholders, members, and supporters driving their mission forward. We hope that you will continue to help us in this mission of reimagining healthcare, and you can do so by going to nmfonline.com dot org forward slash reimagine. That's nmfonline.org forward slash reimagine. 
Are you ready to deliver your message directly to the ears of your audience? Well, Coffee and C-Suite Conversations are mini episodes that give you a chance to do just that. We work with you to create a captivating conversation about your company and expertise and engage you with listeners who are aligned with your mission. As part of this campaign, you get a dedicated mini podcast inserted into several of our episodes. You also get a social media campaign and a file to insert on your own website. So what are you waiting for? Ready to give a voice to your brand? For more information, go to justtherightbalance.com forward slash coffee convo. That's justtherightbalance.com forward slash coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, convo, C-O-N-V-O. We look forward to working with you. Hey there, leading ladies. It's Dr. Lisa. Thanks for hanging in with me. Now back to our amazing interview. So I'm going to shift a little bit now to your role with the National Medical Fellowships as a board member. So tell us about that and what inspired you to get involved in MF. Oh, no, definitely. I, as I shared, you know, as a son of two immigrants, you know, one of the realities for me when I applied to college and and had asked my parents for their tax returns, which (laughs) they were very, um, you know, very shy about, very um, coy about. And, you know, I got to see their tax returns and I knew how hard they worked. I mean, this was 12, you know, 14 hour days uh, constantly. And to, to, to realize that they were making barely uh, $20,000 combined uh, and, and how hard they worked. And that's how I applied to, to college. And uh, of course, there was uh, financial aid, but there was a lot of gaps, right? And I had to take on loans. And uh, we had this um, back and forth uh, again in terms of, okay, you're applying to med school. How are we going to pay for this? And I was like, well, we'll, I'll take on more loans. I mean, I'll figure this out. Of course, uh, with mentorship guidance, right. And and using those dollars for uh, the right stuff or uh, not applying for too much money, but enough to really make sure that I could uh, uh, get to the interviews and, and pay for the applications and so on and so forth. And of course there's always some uh, financial aid, but you know, it's never, uh, fully enough. And I, I started my first year at UCLA in, in medical school. Um, and of course, everyone encourages you to apply for different uh, scholarships. And lo and behold, uh, I get a multitude of thousands of dollars from this organization uh, called the National Medical Fellowships. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was not only emotional for me, but for my family, because, you know, NMF was almost giving me as much money as what my parents uh, made a year. Mm. Uh, and that really, that really is uh, something that uh, I hold dear to my heart. And again, something that plays back in my mind. And so anytime that there's been any event, uh, I started off in the NMF alumni council, you know, as a, as a resident, I chaired the scholarship committee. And oftentimes, you know, I would have uh, f- friends and family say, you know, why do you do so much? And again, it's it's about paying it forward. Uh, and and I, I, I get to meet, I'm very fortunate that I get to meet 
uh, so many individuals uh, who, who are walking in, in my shoes uh, that are starting off in their career to uh, not only, well, uh, aspiring career in medicine, right? Uh, whether in um, undergrad or, or uh, medical school. And uh, to me, it's how do we magnify and work together across the country to solve the inequity in the challenges that our medical, pre-medical and medical students have to face. Um, and the National Medical Fellowships and the board of directors has, has been, uh, for me, another way, not only to give back, but also to stay grounded and to uh, be nurtured and grow. Um, and so it's, it's really neat to be able to connect with colleagues across the country who, again, are fighting for those uh, students that often are uh, overlooked, um, ignored, or sometimes taken for granted. Oh, well, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so being able to translate our work to, you know, here's some real tangible dollars that you don't have to worry about. There's not more loans you have to carry or worry about. Or here's a program. Um, at mm -hmm. Ultimate Full Circle, um, you know, we host uh, almost uh, 15 to 20 uh, students every summer that come through the National Medical Fellowships for the primary care uh, leadership program. And again, that's another way that uh, I can give back and, and stay connected and grounded to the importance uh, of advancing uh, health care mm -hmm. uh, for those patients that many of these students like us, you know, want to serve. Um, so it's a it's a real opportunity uh, for us to to continue to push forward. That's that's so great because NMF, you know, is is has been and continues to be life changing for for a lot of individuals. I would say, and even life saving as well. You know, when you're stuck in a position oh, where, yeah. yeah, you just you don't have the answer, you don't have the resources, right? You don't know how you're going to make it. And then there's organizations like NMF who step up to the plate and say, here you go. You know, like you said, give you some something tangible, some funds to really yeah. be able to make your dreams become a reality. And then to be part of, you know, a healthcare system where you can continue to make a difference. So definitely, definitely hats off to, to NMF and all the great work that they're doing. So looking at, you know, healthcare in terms of the, uh, what you've talked about as well, healthcare and, you know, disparities, how is diversity in healthcare and leadership? Why is it important? And how will having more BIPOC physicians impact those disparities? Yeah, I mean, this is an area of, great interest to me and something that uh, I've spent a lot of time working on, you know, and, and really life passion and work. One of the, the key things that I continue to be challenged with uh, as um, a leader in healthcare now is a reality that uh, many of the patients that we serve, they are living in health profession shortage areas. Um, and many times these health profession shortage areas are also the same communities that historically have faced significant uh, barriers to access healthcare or what we would call institutional discrimination. Yeah. Not enough hospitals, not enough clinics uh, that really serve those uh, communities. Uh, and if there are a few clinics in those communities, oftentimes um, they turn away those patients. And, you know, the BIPOC community um, 
not only has overcome significant adversity to get to uh, apply to med school, apply to health professions careers, Mm -hmm. um, but once they're in the uh, profession, uh, even even when they're training, um, the skill set they bring of understanding what it is to live in these communities, um, what it is to look like individuals from these communities, what it is to talk like these, uh, like the individuals in these communities, uh, the amount of uh, connections and trust that we can build in healthcare, um, you know, the return on ensuring we have diversity uh, within our health professions, it just magnifies. You know, at, at Ultimate, uh, we're very fortunate that uh, we uh, specifically, and we work closely with the National Medical Fellowships for this reason and, and other or great organizations mm-hmm. in the community that support uh, diversity and, and BIPOC communities is, is that our healthcare workforce uh, mirrors the patients we get to serve. And yes. when, when that happens, you know, the, the security guard becomes influential. The front office staff becomes influential. Um, someone in the back office who, uh, again, is a- answering the questions or, or saying, yes, I got the vaccine. Um, I got this treatment, that treatment. It just creates a whole different experience for patients where they don't feel like strangers. Uh, they don't question, for example, uh, why are we, why am I, am I being offered this? Is this the right treatment or are there other alternatives? And we can not only explain it uh, from the lens of where they're coming from, but we're also able to uh, speak their language. Uh, we're, we, and if we don't speak their language, we know the importance of using an interpreter. Uh, to make sure that uh, we can communicate. And that that connection uh, is really critical in healthcare today. Uh, we spend way too much money ordering uh, unnecessary uh, labs, uh, mm-hmm. un- unnecessary diagnostics, uh, because we don't understand the patient. You know, we, we, we push them through the system. Um, and that, lead, that has its own consequences. And yeah. so, you know, for me, it's it's an opportunity not only to bring uh, more uh, talent into healthcare, but talent that is going to really transform healthcare. And today we talk a lot about value-based care. Mm-hmm. When I talk to young BIPOC uh, individuals that or communities, you know, when I get to groups, they are all very resource conscious. They also see the inadequacies of the system and they're going to be part of the solution. And that to me, uh, when I'm sitting in a room and we have BIPOC leaders, uh, the conversation is very different uh, in terms of what is going on with the patient experience. What is going on from a quality perspective? How are we addressing clinical team well-being? Uh, how do we ensure this is affordable and sustainable uh, for these communities? Um, and that, that to me is, is the richness and not just um, opening the door, Mm-hmm. But when when our BIPOC um, professionals come in, is also continuing to invest in them and nurture them because when they're in a decision making uh, seat, uh, they're going to help us make better decisions that are going to f- that's really going to further healthcare and transform uh, the kind of healthcare we want to provide in in uh, the United States. Yeah, absolutely. 
So it seems as if, you know, we know the answer, right? And and part of the, the answer, I think, to the problem of the physician shortage and to areas where they lack primary care providers. And um, in the state of Georgia, where I live, there are actually desert areas where there are no primary mm-hmm. care providers and no OBGYNs. So a part of the solution to that, like you said, is just filling it with and, and it's inspiring and supporting great talent, um, supporting great diverse talent, supporting great diverse talent um, who have shared experiences um, for the communities mm-hmm. in which they will serve. And then also um, having that that group of people or, or that talent group who are resourceful as well. So it's just a matter of us really pooling our resources um, giving some giving of our time, a little sacrifice in order mm-hmm. for us to push this m- mission forward. So, so as we kind of um, look to the future, what three tips would you give our listeners who would like to get involved with organizations like NMF to help to recruit, support, and retain BIPOC health professionals to impact disparities? Where should they begin? Well, you know, for me, it's always uh, advice from from my mentors, and and one of the key places I go anytime that uh, I'm trying to find clarity in in what I'm trying to accomplish is stay close to the patient. If you have the opportunity to uh, get into a clinical setting, um, whether you're doing direct clinical care or not, but talking to patients about what they're having to go through is uh, very uh, transformative. Uh, it's inspiring, uh, reminds you of why we have to continue to work together, be collaborative. We have to overcome uh, divisiveness uh, at times. You know, there will be challenges where it, you'll continue to hear, we can't do that. You know, it's not possible. And not only do we have to uh, stay close to patients, but we have to bring that voice and, and, and change systems. And the way to change systems is not only to be leaders, but to get involved in policy, uh, not just advocacy, but policy change. Mm. And when we look at policies at the federal level, whether our state level, uh, many of them are outdated. They no longer serve the best interests of our patients. Yeah. Um, and you'll hear that from patients. And then if you can translate that as a leader and, and bring it even forth, and then lastly is uh, community. Um, one of the most uh, important experiences, and, and we, even within the National Medical Fellowships, is that the students are our community. Um, just like in patients, you know, we go out into the, the community and meet people uh, through community-based uh, organizations and par- partnering with them, mm. making sure that um, you're not the one coming to them with the solution. And again, I, I, I thank so many uh, mentors, you know, the, the late Loretta Jones uh, out of um, Southern, Southern California here in Los Angeles, who taught me um, that uh, the community has the PhDs of the street mm. and they can help us understand uh, what the real issues are. Why are uh, BIPOC uh, men are not coming into the clinics. Uh, and that's, you know, many times because we, we, we discourage them. We, we don't include them. We often ask them to stay and wait in the lobby when they come with their partners, for example. 
things like that, that again, these are outdated practices and or policies that we have in place that we have to change. And it's only through that uh, connection. Um, I think we're very privileged. Uh, and as we continue our careers, there's even more privileged, um, but really always asking myself and humbling myself to really listen to the patient, um, to translate that to, well, where, where's our policy here? Where's our practice here? And, and how do we change it? And partnering with community to, to be part of the change. Because mm-hmm. for me and for NMF, uh, and I know our uh, board chair, Dr. Sandra Nichols, um, we are really, uh, we want to make sure that everything that we work on, that uh, we're able to pass a tor- torch, that there is someone that's coming behind us who's going to continue this great work. And although we've accomplished 75 years of, of great work, uh, we're looking forward to the next 75. And we're very optimistic and hopeful that uh, the wave of change is coming. We get to see and be part of it and support it. But it's got to be, again, through the lens of our patients, uh, how we uh, partner with community and transform uh, healthcare through policy change. Absolutely. Those are three great tips. I always, you know, have said in the past how it important it is for us to be able to sit down and give patients the space to speak and to actually listen to them. They will tell you um, what you need to know, right? Um, as well as the community will um, also. So yeah. thank you for sharing that with us. And I am also very optimistic and very hopeful about the next 75 years, especially when um, I can become involved with organizations like NMF and when I can speak with um, board members and leaders such as yourself who are doing great things to make sure that we are becoming change agents. So thank you, Dr. Talamantes, for spending time with me today, for sharing your story. And again, thank you for the work that you're doing today, as well as the work I know that you will continue to do in the future. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Herbert. Again, uh, kudos to you and this work and really providing this medium for us. And, you know, at, at NMF, we're also uh, making sure we, we, we support our, our professionals and our leaders. Uh, so looking forward to working together. Absolutely. It's time for physicians to rise up, step out, stand out, and take back our place in healthcare to be the respected voice and leader in our communities. My mission is to help physicians transition into leadership roles by equipping them with the personal and professional development skills that they need to be successful and also to help them care for themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. If you have experience practicing in your given specialty, if you have a gift for innovation and building teams, if you have the ability to bring about change in others, if you have solved problems in your practice setting or community, then there are organizations that need you to claim your rightful seat at the table and lead. If you are ready to be a leader in healthcare and change the status quo, then I invite you to book a complimentary strategy discovery session with me at schedulewithdrlisa.com. That's schedulewithdrlisa.com.
Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care.